Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. In today's episode, it is a cause for celebration. This is our 80th episode, and as is our custom, every 10th episode, we have a guest presenter, uh, guest speaker, and today we've got a top-notch individual. Uh, Dr. Mark Murphy works with us, or we work with him at Wisconsin Lutheran College. I'm just going to share with you a little bit of a, about his background so we understand the lens that he's approaching life through. Okay, he's a licensed elementary school teacher. Uh, has worked in biology, life sciences, general sciences, special ed teacher. His master's is in educational leadership with certification as a pre-K through 12 principal. And if that's not enough, he's also director of special education that licenses director of special education and pupil services. Uh, he has his PhD in special educational leadership with an emphasis in learning disabilities. And currently he is teaching in the undergrad world and the graduate world here at Wisconsin Lutheran College. And he also is serving as an administrator over the graduate school program. And the other thing that I do want to put a plug in there for, you know, our special ed program, both undergrad and graduate was really created uh, by Dr. Murphy. And so he just has wonderful insights on the administrative level, but also just really practical insights for parents and for, for students as well. So thank you for being here, Dr. Yeah, Murphy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And as press impressive as all of that is, the thing that I'm most impressed with by him, I don't know of a more student-centered teacher. Yes. So, and just a, a enjoyable guy to work with. So thank you so very much for being yeah, here. It's, thank our, you. it's our pleasure to spend this time with you. So do you mind telling us, Dr. Murphy, why is early intervention and screening so important in special education? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the, the key is that if we can treat and intervene early um, to really set up the, the future of the, the child, that's going to be key. A lot of times in medical situations, if we treat something medically early, it's going to have mm -hmm. a better result. And mm -hmm. I think as the young child develops, it's essential that we look at key issues, perhaps in speech, vision, hearing, sensory issues, some of the social and emotional development issues that might be there um, so that if they're problematic for the child that we can address those at an early stage. Mm -hmm. Often if that early intervention happens then we can mitigate something sometimes even completely. You think of somebody with autism or speech and language or sensory issues. If we take care of those by the time they get to school it really sets them up for further success in learning. And I would just encourage parents and teachers, if they think there's an issue, uh, talk to their pediatrician at the wellness checkups. Um, talk to your child's teacher, maybe a special ed teacher. Mm -hmm. And if you still think there's an issue, then contact the district to see if you can have a special ed referral so that we can run the assessments on that and see if maybe perhaps they would be eligible for special ed services to set up the, the program for the child's learning. So would you say really the more information that you can get, the more people you can seek out earlier on, that's really a key. Because I know as a parent, I, I may be hesitant to do that, but that really is the best way, right? It, it is, it is. And oftentimes people say that there's, you know, the stigma that comes with that. But when I talk to parents and I talk to teachers, you know, if, if I had a medical issue, let's say strep throat, mm -hmm. I would obviously want to go in and get that addressed. And I think if, if I have a sensory issue, that I notice in my child, if, if, if that can be corrected early on, 
then they're going to enter school at really the same level that other okay. students are. It's a lot like wearing glasses. You know, the first time that maybe you wear glasses, mm -hmm. you're just amazed at what you can see, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if we have that same concept with the learning issues and other issues that children may have, they're going to enter school and then be more successful because they're going to have the tools and be able to see and hear and do the academic type things, the social, emotional um, skills that that other children would have so they can keep up with their peers. I'm curious how you'd advise parents. I've had parents tell me, you know, I don't know what normal is. Like, you know, I know that I'm, this frustrates me that where whatever is happening, but especially if it's a first child, sometimes they'll say, well, I don't really know exactly what normal is. Or even if it's a third, fourth child, they'll say, but every kid's different. And so I don't really know when I should be, when, how many red flags do I see before I should act on something? You know? Yeah, so really, there really isn't a definition of normal. I mean, show me uh, a normal right, child and, right. and we wouldn't have that. But I think if you're seeing signs where, you know, something would be where the child is struggling with something, uh, I think that would be enough of a red flag, at least to ask. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I guess Doesn't if I would ask my just, yeah. pediatrician, you know, where, where does this fit in? Because a lot of times they're looking at the, the norm results mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. testing and that are is your child in the 99th percentile mm -hmm. or the in the 50th percentile so I think using a lot of those resources will help you uh, you know find out you know is this something I should really pursue or not and worst case scenario let's say you do ask mm -hmm. and they say everything's okay yeah that yeah. that's fine I think uh, when I was an elementary principal we did a lot of screening for speech and language and sometimes teachers would, you know, is there something wrong here? And you, you bring the speech and language pathologist in and they say, you know what, that, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Or they'll say, I'm glad you said something because mm -hmm. the earlier we catch something, the more we're able to to help and mitigate that. Because if we wait too long, then sometimes it's really hard to undo some of the... So, mm -hmm. so parents, even before their child is in school, can be asking themselves some of these questions? Correct, yep. Yep. And I think probably the best resource would be those wellness checks for your child when they're one, two, three years old to, to see, you know, are there, are there things that we should be concerned about? Can you talk a little bit about why it's so important to focus on strengths of a child with special needs? I mean, we all have strengths. We all have challenges. Can you address that a little bit, please? Yeah. So the, the huge part in there is, is really looking at we need to build on the strengths of a child rather than their weaknesses. And I think that can really help us set the child up for success. Uh, and the other thing it does is it really helps with their self-esteem. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at it, how many of us like to be pointed out that we're not doing something well? And I think a lot of our special ed students come into school and they, they don't experience success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they kind of get batted down. You know, you're not good at this, you're not good at that. And I think if we position the IEP or what we do in the classroom or even what we do at home with, with our children that we want to build on their strengths, many times we can use those strengths to help them overcome their weaknesses. Beautiful. That's really interesting because we often categorize students based on ability, mm -hmm. right or wrong. And so this idea, like Strengths Quest, mm -hmm. where, where they are much more of a person than just what they're struggling with or how are they approaching things differently. I, that's a great, great point. That yeah. I'm convinced that all of us are disabled in some mm -hmm. way. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's not what we want to be known for. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that we have to manage, but we want to really live where our strengths are at. And I think every every person, human being, feels that way regardless. So I love that insight. Thank you, Dr. Murphy. 
So, so Dr. Murphy, I've, I've heard you mention this term and, and educational acronyms. I know some of them, but not all of them. Uh, when you talk about UDL, could, could you help, help me and our, our, our audience better understand that? Yeah, UDL actually stands for Universal Design for Learning. And essentially it came out of the, the concept in architecture, really giving people equal access to buildings and, and you know, the mobility and moving around with that. Uh, in an educational application of it, it's really providing accessible learning environments for our students. And that could be through a combination, it could be environmental, it could be behavioral, it could be academic. And I think when we give all of our children equal access to the content that we're teaching, then we're leveling the playing field. Mm -hmm. So I already used the example of the glasses, but think of if somebody needed a wheelchair, obviously we're gonna provide that. So as children you know, enter the school arena or even at home, if there's a hearing impairment, we're gonna be using things like FM receivers, speech to text software, some of the various different audio books, and then other environmental considerations like seating and accommodations. And I think that really gets us back to the IEP. What is really the purpose of the IEP? And the IEP is really individualized. Sometimes I think we miss that. So we're, we're really not trying mm -hmm. to do the IEP so that the child fits the school environment. Mm -hmm. But what we want to be doing is really having the school environment really meet the needs of the child. IEP stands for? Individual Education Plan. So that yeah, individual's key program. in that. Yeah, yep, <laughs> the individual's yeah. key in that. Yeah. And I think, you know, we hear a lot of things like inclusion mm -hmm. and full inclusion in that. And, and I think those are all great concepts for us to think about. But I think we have to step back and say, is, is that full inclusion really right for that child? Right. And one of the terms that, that I didn't coin, but that's out in the research, is responsible inclusion, mm -hmm. which really looks at the individual child and say, okay, what's the best fit? Mm -hmm. So in other words, least restrictive environment, how can I get this child involved? And when we do that, both sides benefit. Mm -hmm. Children benefit by interacting with students that have disabilities and the special needs, as, as well as that the, the person that does have those disabilities. Because as we really look at our purpose for school, it's really to get people ready for life. Mm -hmm. And I think if we have schools set up where we, we have that acceptance already in school, mm -hmm. after they graduate and they're community leaders and that, we're gonna have that acceptance later on. Because one thing that really concerns me is the unemployment rate of mm -hmm. individuals with disabilities. Yeah. In my opinion, it's way too high. Mm -hmm. So how can we change that? Some of our future business leaders, um, owners of companies, that if they went to school with somebody and saw, hey, th there's that capability there, mm -hmm. and those friendships that are fostered, I think that can help us in the future as well. So I'm gonna go off, off the beaten path here a, a tad bit. And just when you talk about employability, it brings to mind a beautiful backstory for you that I've just always really enjoyed uh, when you told me about it. Can you tell me how you first got exposed to working with with uh, young people with special needs? You were at McDonald's, right? I mean, yeah. You were in high school? Yep. 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 So I actually worked for McDonald's Corporation. And uh, one of the things that I did was train individuals that had disabilities to, to work for McDonald's. And I think that was a really pivotal point for me because really special education was not on my radar. As you mentioned, I am licensed in biology and that and have a love for science and kind of started that path. 
And then what happened was I, I really saw kids struggling. Mm-hmm. And that really is what really inspired me in in the, the component of, you know, wanting to learn a little bit more about special education and got a degree, got a PhD in it, and here I am. It's fun and to watch it, the Lord work. It, it, yeah. it, it, it is neat. And, and if you had the opportunity to sit in on Dr. Murphy's classes, the students are just so engaged because the ones that are taking the, the special ed courses, they understand the ministry involved with that and and our all and in that joy just is really really evident so so dr murphy if you could help me out here when we are working with all of our students the the topic of how can we help our students comprehend this whole comprehension issue comes up again and again and again any any insights thoughts on that yeah Comprehension is probably one of the most com- complex mm-hmm. items to teach mm-hmm. because you have the whole fluency thing, and then you have, okay, how do kids comprehend? Too many building blocks yeah. that go into it, yeah. And, you know, the, the coding, the decoding, mm-hmm. and, you know, on a printed page. And realistically, a lot of times when we teach comprehension or a lot of the textbooks that are out there or materials that are used, often we focus on vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And realistically, for somebody that might not have a reading disability or learning disability, that might work, mm-hmm. but realistically, when you take a look at that, comprehension has more to do with background and schema than it does actually with vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So I think when we have the opportunity for parents at home, when you're reading them a story, when you're doing things like that, I think it's essential that we make the connections, building the background, so activating that prior knowledge. Because as we look, and I'm sitting here Don't with assume a, that they're getting them, right? Don't yeah. assume that they're making the connection, yeah, like be, make it as clear as day is that what you're saying exactly okay exactly and Rhoda with your background in educational psychology you know as you look at how the brain works all the different modalities and that if we can make those connections with Mm -hmm. things that we do with grandparents things that we do at home things that we do on vacation things that happen in the summer bring those into the classroom but also for parents when you're reading stories to your children at home Mm -hmm. making those connections as well too because then that's going to help the, the area of comprehension See, this is what I love about talking to Dr. Murphy. I mean, you can ask him any question, and he just shares his knowledge with you. So with that in mind, before we wrap up this episode, uh, just a reminder, you know, our our, um, guest speakers, they they also do presentations to schools, to districts, district schools, uh, parent groups. uh, And certainly feel free to reach out to uh, Dr. Murphy. His email is... Mark.Murphy at WLC.edu. And he he enjoys receiving questions and he will give you his thoughts. Uh, thanks again for listening. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five takeaways from our guest speaker, Dr. Murphy, today. Number one, awareness. It is really so vitally important that we understand it is important to seek out help and information the earlier the better uh, to to all the stakeholders that are out there. Uh, Number two, proactive approaches. This means for parents, uh, if you have concerns about your child, even before school starts, seek out those around you, talk to your pediatrician, uh, and and slowly work toward finding uh, good solutions. Number three, 
So very, very important. Build on the student's strengths. People want to be known by their strengths and they don't want to be consistently referred to to their weaknesses. Really be proactive building on the strengths. And number four, uh, comprehension of strategies. Uh, this is taking everything into account uh, and really taking the time to work with the child to make the connections, be it at home, uh, be it at school, all will help uh, increase the comprehension. And the last one, universal design for learning at home and at school. Take this into consideration and have a great week. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.